This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, interview number two here on day two of Freedom Fest, and we are joined by Stephen Kent of Young Voices. Stephen, how are you doing today? Doing all right, Nick. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's good to be here. So um, we are going to do a topic that we've sort of talked about before recently, because right now it's just me and Tyler and our guest Stephen, all three of us big Star Wars fans. So everybody that watched the Ace episode, you know that we like to nerd out about this stuff. So Stephen, first of all, we just started talking about this before we hit record. Could you describe what your politics are and kind of your background, what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So my background is I do public relations and I speak for Young Voices. We're a nonprofit that helps libertarians and conservatives get into the media. We help them work on their writing and also get them ready for TV and radio opportunities. That's my full-time job as well as I host a show affiliated with Al Jazeera International called Right Now with Stephen Kent, interview program on YouTube. My thing is I'm a aspiring libertarian. Uh, I call myself that because while I consider myself to be a libertarian, it is not my nature. Uh, it is hard for me to skew towards liberty because my instincts are a little bit more reactionary conservative. Uh, I like things being orderly. I like tradition. Yep. Um, but I have come to believe that using the arms of government to try to mandate those things is the wrong way to be. I think you. Uh, I think you would fit in well with the uh, the vibe of the podcast. So, um, <laughs> so okay. We talked earlier. You came by our booth, yeah. and we were talking about the sort of political overtones of Star Wars. And yeah. what Tyler and I wanted to talk about was the sort of overarching story of the prequels. So, to me, it's a great story of the Republic becoming the Empire, 
and you know uh, crisis using or, or you know a leader using a crisis to consolidate power. What is your overall take on the prequels? Like, how do you view them? My take these days is that the most important scene in all of the prequels is not "This is How Liberty Dies" with thunderous applause. It is in Episode Two when Anakin and Padme are having their flirty little date in the fields of Naboo, oh boy. and they are going to sit down and have a conversation about politics. And paraphrasing this conversation, basically the way that it goes is. Padme starts asking him about the way that he sees the world, and she goes like, and he goes like, I don't like politicians, I don't like politics, and she goes like, what kind of system would you like to have? And he goes, well, I believe we should have a system where uh, the politicians sit down and they talk about what's in the best interest of the people, and then they do it. She goes, well, that's the kind of system that we already have. The problem is that people don't agree. Well, then they should be made to, is what he said. Uh, who's yeah. gonna, who's going to make them, you? This, to me, is the authoritarian element that is embedded within all of us. We want things to work. We want systems to work. But sometimes they don't. And what defines us is our ability to let go and let live a little bit um, and let things work out. That to me is the biggest question of our time is are you Anakin Skywalker? What are you willing to do to make people agree? Um, and I think that's the thing that we're they're struggling with the most right now in our society. So would you say that some s political factors are moving towards that kind of Anakin Skywalker authoritarian of course. view at a faster rate than perhaps the other side of the spectrum? Oh, so like on one side versus the other? Yeah, if we want to go and, you know, we'll, we'll touch on the partisan divide about it, yeah. I think that we are in an authoritarian moment where both the left and the right are incredibly frustrated with one another. They are tired of trying to build consensus and they are looking for shortcuts towards getting people united around an agenda. Um, I think that this is present on both the left and the right. I have very strong feelings about the left. That's why I'm here at Freedom Fest. Um, you need look no further than the way they act in the streets riot, burn things down, put on black masks and beat up complete strangers in the streets. They are flirting with authoritarianism. But I don't think that you can ignore not what happened on January 6th as... I think insurrection is like the wrong word, right? I do too. I, I yep. think insurrection is the wrong word. That's a very targeted and calculated effort to yes. call it that. What that was was like an authoritarian emotional tantrum of people wanting the system to be a different way, wanting the rules to be different, and not accepting the way that things broke down. And I think it is indicative of that thing that is within all of us, um, which I have it in me, and I choose every day to resist it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> which, is, which is part of how Star Wars helps me see the world. And so I, I've thought about this. Um, what is the, the... Was it Nietzsche or maybe... Uh, um, Maybe Tolstoy, somebody said that the line between good and evil runs down the middle of a man's heart, right? Yes. And I think with, with Anakin, he's kind of like the embodiment, like Anakin invader. Is he the good guy or the bad guy? And I, I think that when it comes to political power, it's like what he mentioned. Like people want to make things the way they want them to be. And that is sort of the, the impulse that all of us have. And while you could say, like, right now the left is much more visibly doing that, right? Like, they're trying to insert progressivism into the culture yeah. and remove tradition and all these things. Just on the other side of this, this booth where we're sitting, there's a table a couple of booths down that has a democracy score index. And they are talking about how different states rank in terms of democracy and which ones are declining. 
I watched a guy with my own two eyes walk over there and go, I'm not so sure about democracy yeah. <laughs> anymore. I mean, this is around all of us. There are multiple studies out there that show at least 30% of Americans, and this is true across most Western republics, prefer authoritarian means versus democratic means because it gets stuff done. And that is, that's the hard thing that we have to accept is democracy is going to be messy, ugly, and unproductive, but yeah. we're free. Right. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this. Have you ever, are you familiar with Hans-Hermann Hoppe at all? No, work? I'm not. Yeah. Okay, so he's a very influential libertarian economist um, that wrote a book, uh, Democracy, the God that Failed. And I, I'll fully admit I haven't actually read it myself, but I know it's very influential a lot, or, or like within the Mises kind of circles. Okay. And he makes the argument against democracy uh, more broadly. And this is an argument that's been around for a while. Um, who is it? I think Alexander de Tocqueville that said that, you know, the, the American Republic would cease to exist when people discover that they can, the politicians discover that they can bribe the public with the public's money. Correct. So it's sort of like a natural tendency for power to consolidate and then the society to kind of degrade into chaos as we all vote to plunder each other's resources. Yeah. So I don't know what the anecdote to that is. I mean, of course, like in a perfect world, we could have like even a minarchy that we could all agree on, like a government that's very limited, but kind of keeps the peace and the order. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's something that I've been struggling with. I don't know exactly how to label myself or how to look at democracy as a whole. But uh, so coming from a, a conservative background, how do you view what the role of government ought to be? Obviously, you are an aspiring libertarian, as you said, so you believe in some sort of limited government. Yeah. But as far as keeping peace and order, what does that role look like? Well, I guess I'm, I'm just a defending and upholding your natural rights sort of person that government in the founding vision does not allocate and tell you what your rights are. They are there to defend what is already natural and what already belongs to you. Sure, sure. Um, that for me is my North Star every time that I am thinking about these questions is what already belongs to me that the government's supposed to be protecting, not saying, oh, we'll give this to you with a little bow tie on top and call it a gift. Right, right, okay. Yeah. But you know, right now I'm working on a book, actually I've already completed it, it's called How the Force Can Fix the World. And it comes out October 26th, and it is a seven-chapter book looking at the most important political virtues and moral virtues of Star Wars, that if we took the Star Wars franchise as not just escapist fiction and not just as whatever George Lucas politics are, but as a real moral guide on, way to the, on a way to live, we'd be happier people and be better citizens in a democracy. How, how do you, speaking of the force, because I actually will read this book. I'll buy it on October yeah. 26th when it comes out. So I'm glad you're plugging it. Get a pre-order. It helps. I will, yeah. I will do it. Um, so how would you, like, so the whole idea of balance in the force, yeah. I know there's different interpretations, like even what George Lucas has said, but then you run into like death of the author. You know, a lot of people can of interpret course. it their own way. What do you view as balance in the force in the Star Wars universe and what that means in sort of like the meta way? Coexistence. Uh, it is okay. coexistence. It is believing that everybody has a right to exist and not being willing to use force to make certain things that you don't like go away. It's going to create an imbalance. There's some booth right over here. It says, uh, the world's only real peace movement, live and let live. And the Jedi, for people who say that they are defending balance within the Force, they pushed the Sith to the edge of extinction. In fact, they believed them to be extinct in Episode One. They hadn't heard of them in a millennium. Yeah. Uh, 
how is that balance? Right, right, how is right. that if you are pushing the opposite practitioners of the force off of the playing board altogether, they were not doing their job of defending balance. They are acolytes of the light. And that is something completely different. They never even considered that balancing the force might mean that they die, that they lose power. And yeah. that's that's pretty pathetic, honestly. So, so we've, we've joked about this before, because they don't really, in Star Wars, they don't get too into, like, what what the Empire's, like, policies are. And we were saying, like, what if the Empire is actually just, like, a very, like, orderly minarchy, and Palpatine has low taxes, and, you know, everything's, you know, pretty much running all right. They mentioned this in The Mandalorian, that, like, yeah. since the Empire collapsed, there's been more crime and all this stuff. And what if the rebels were like Antifa and they were like doing all this because they wanted a UBI or something like that? Something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the, re the rebellion is, is fractured between two different visions. Uh, this is yep. what I talk about in the chapter on hope and why hope helps us piece our politics together and have better lives. Is you have the choice as a rebel between Mon Mothma and Saw Gerrera. Saw Gerrera, as defined in Rogue One, he is the Antifa of Star Wars. And if you talk to like far left people on Twitter who like Star Wars, they'll be like, oh, you know, like the rebellion is Antifa. And I go, no. Uh, Mon Mothma is a neoliberal establishment figure who is uh, a wealthy former senator who is trying to restore the Republic back to the way it was when people like her had power. Uh, and they want to have a democratic Republic. Saw Gerrera is a burn it down guy. He is the Antifa guy. He did not support the Republic because the Republic became the Empire and he didn't support the Separatist movement because the Separatist movement killed his sister in the Clone Wars animated yep. series. Right, right. He doesn't believe in government. He's a, an anarchist and a violent man. Uh, and that's the Antifa of space. And when you go down that road, you have to have given up on people and embraced just a culture of nihilism destruction and death and I am afraid that we are in this moment are not only our authoritarian moment but just a moment of nihilism where we our young people believe nothing matters and nothing is worth defending uh, and that's the stuff that I'm trying to speak to and how the force can fix the world that we need to be thinking on when we watch Star Wars Okay, so the book comes out October 26th, yeah. and where can people find it and pre-order it? Yeah, you can find it on Amazon. It's coming out from Hachette's Center Street Imprint, so other fine offers like Janine Pirro and Donald Trump Jr. and Newt Gingrich and also Stephen Kent's How the Force Can Fix the World. So you can find it at Barnes & Noble's, Amazon, IndieBound, wherever fine books are sold. Right on. Tyler, awesome. anything else you want to add on or close or mention Star Wars related? I, I did want to touch on the nihilism. I'm really glad you brought that up. I've kind of been referring it as like cultural nihilism mm -hmm. because yeah you see it you know you look at like teen suicides um all these you know depression rates amongst teens and i think it's very prevalent in today's world because like we grew up watching our parents lose their jobs in 2008 we grew up yeah, me you too. Know, watching yeah. you know cyberbullying. you have all these pressures now you know social media and like they've done studies they show the depression rates on and off social media you know they they do experiments and the the people that were off social media for a month during this experiment reported like 25 to 30 percent more happiness and i not that i'm just blaming social media there's a lot of sure. other things you know, we the, see the, a lot of misery the dollars devaluing all these other things are happening and i think that that that's going to become a very large enemy that we need to find a way to combat yeah i think the enemy of our day is nihilism and believing that nothing matters I, going back to Star Wars, because that's what I do these days, I mean, 
Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi is the person who has given up that anything matters and that the fight between good and evil is still worth fighting. Um, he believes that the constant order of, of chaos and order and then chaos and order, light, dark, light, dark, that it's always going to continue and that because there will always be suffering, because there will always be evil, why stand up and fight anymore? Right. And while I know that that rubbed a lot of fans the wrong way, that's not my Luke Skywalker, this is the challenge of our time, and it's why I defend that choice as being like, it's important to show a hero giving up and then deciding to stand up again and rediscover hope. Because what our kids do, if our kids keep drinking from the fountain of nihilism that Gen Z and millennials have drunk from, we are not going to have a future. We've got to train a young generation to stand up again, be Jedi, pick up that lightsaber and fight darkness, or we will not have a future. I like that. Yeah, and, and what does I that translate that. to in real life? It's like, you know, get married, have kids, live by traditional values. I mean, even if you don't actually have to have kids, some people, it's just not in their cards. That's fine. But I think kids are the answer. I think I so, think too. Kids Personally. are the answer. I think that's the rebellion. The, the, the people, and this, I was talking on a Star Wars podcast the other day about this. I was like, the people on my Twitter feed, uh, traditional conservatives, maybe some paleos and like traditional Catholics, who are screaming the loudest about the decline of our culture and the death of the American family are all a bunch of young men who do not have children. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm going, this is why you're unhappy. You right. don't have your own kids. So right. you're not focused on your life and raising your Padawans. You're focused on everything else. And it's the same people who are screaming the loudest about how Star Wars is awful now. They don't have children because their children would love it. Right. And that's the thing that I get defensive about. I'm like, my kid loves Star Wars. And if my kid loves these new Star Wars, then the problem is not her. The problem is you. <laughs> yeah, see, so I, I personally, I, I love the original trilogy. I even love the prequels. Because yeah. how old were you? How old I'm a prequel you? kid. So yeah, episode okay. three is my Star Wars. Oh, yes, yeah. me too. Okay. Episode oh, yeah. three is my Star yep, Wars. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I was in fifth grade. How old are you? I am 31. 31? Okay, so you're yeah. a few years older than me. 15, so. 15 years old when Revenge of the Sith came out. Right. And it was my first experience going to the theater with just my friends yeah. and not a parent. Right, And for right. me, that's like the formative memory for yeah. Star Wars. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. No, so I mean, I'm, I'm somebody that's very critical of the sequel series for di a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Like just bringing Palpatine back, this is a whole other rabbit hole. Truly awful. They, yeah. they discredit <laughs> the whole like original trilogy in a way. And, uh, you know, I wish they would just, like, make canon that the whole sequel trilogy was, like, Jar Jar Binks's uh, fever dream. A fever dream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, oh, it didn't happen. It was all a dream, you know? Yeah. Um, but keep the Mandalorian. I mean, Disney's done a lot of other great stuff. I love Rogue One. We were talking about it oh, last night. That scene where it goes dark, you know, when Darth Vader prepares the boarding party. Oh, yeah. Man. I about screamed in the theater. Rogue One, Solo, and I think The Force Awakens are proof that Disney can do this. Yes. Right. They just need to get the right people in the room. I think um, Dave Filoni. I think switching. He's, he's the answer. He's the answer. Switching directors. One. You go from J.J. to Ryan Johnson to back to J.J. Yeah. I think that was a bad move. There's no, like, cohesive, overarching story, and I think it shows. And it, also you got to have courage when you tell risky stories. So, mm -hmm. like, again, The Last Jedi, very controversial. My belief, and I believe this like as a conservative, you're like, when you do something, you make a bold decision, you make a bold stance, you need to stick by it and not like cower to the mob who is angry. Right. If you're going to go down that road with Ryan Johnson, The Last Jedi, double down. Yeah. And, then, and the next movie needs to build on it. Yes. And they didn't. 
they were, tried to pack a trilogy they, into one movie. They were but, scared of what the blowback was to The Last Jedi, and I actually think that's the wrong choice because it made the entire trilogy just all over the place. Yeah. Right, right. Um, you got to stick to your ideas and defend them. And they weren't willing to do that because they're corporatists. Right, <laughs> right, right. They're and that's corporate. the problem. Yep. Right. I completely agree. So, Stephen, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Stephen underscore Kent 89. That's Stephen with a PH underscore Kent 89. And you can follow my newsletter on Substack, politicizeme.substack.com. Awesome. All right. That's Stephen with a PH. So, Stephen. And don't forget <laughs> to buy his book. <laughs> Nick Tyler, thank you. All right. Thank you. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.